Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning As the war machine keeps turning Death and hatred to mankind Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national, international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Here we are, back on the Anarchist World this week. Election Eve, you're all excited, I understand, all excited. Well, don't get too excited. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. The 3rd of July is another day and uh, we'll have the same, confronting the same issues. But uh, this is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the community, via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast for the next week or two by going to 3cr.org.au. Like the program? Send the podcast to your friends. Dislike the program? Send the podcast to your enemies. Maybe they'll enjoy it. Maybe they've got better taste. Okay, if you know what anarchy is all about, anarchy society, it's a society based on the creation of a society without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? The world... The word anarchy just means without rulers. How do you create a society without rulers? You create a society without rulers through equal decision-making power and equal access to wealth. And one way of having equal decision-making power is through direct democratic processes where the people involved in the decision make that decision and then elect or appoint delegates to coordinate those decisions at a local, regional and national level. So it's a very simple concept. It's about removing rulers, whether it's religious rulers, secular rulers, it's about removing rulers and giving the people giving people the opportunity to make decisions regarding how they will function. Now it's interesting that if you can raise twenty six if you can get twenty six thousand people in Switzerland to raise an issue that issue needs to go to a referendum. And the latest referendum was quite interesting. It was about a living wage, and 22% of people in Switzerland supported this radical concept of a living wage because we do have a problem. We have an increasingly increasing population, over 7 billion. We have technological innovations which are upon us on a daily basis. And we will get to the stage, and we have got to the stage in many Western societies where you don't need people to work in order to, uh, you know, for society to survive and prosper. So what do you do? Not everybody can be an investor. So the concept of a living wage 
is a wage which is given to each citizen because they are a citizen or a resident of that society. So it's an interesting concept which will become more and more uh, relevant as we go along. It's a little bit... It's interesting to me because it highlights the same concepts that um, anarchists have been talking about for generations. And that's the fact that you, as a member of that society, not only have a responsibility to that society, but that society has a responsibility to you to ensure that you have access to the basic necessities of life and that you can actually develop yourself to your fullest potential. And we do have a problem. And we do have a problem in Western society, huge problem, not just a problem in terms of confidence and problem in terms of a uh, disillusionment with the uh, structures which we have been saddled with since the beginning of the 20th century. The fact there's been no, no real reform as far as uh, our political structures are concerned for over 140, 50 years. But we do have a problem. And the problem has been highlighted in the last 40 years because, see, the 20th century was a struggle which forced the state to change from an instrument of oppression to an instrument which provided basic services to its citizens. And after World War II, people said, what's the point and my son being killed, or my uncle being killed, or you know somebody I know being killed in this so-called, you know, extravaganza. What's the point if it makes no difference to us and the old ruling classes continue to exist? And through mass action, not and the ballot box, both, the state was forced to take on the responsibility of looking after the basic interests of its citizens and residents. And we saw the uh, rise and rise of state-owned assets which created a mixed economy which transformed the Western economies from an, this is an economy you know, based on the private sector to an economy which actually had a private sector and a public sector. And, what we've, and interestingly, by the early 1970s in most of Western society, about two-thirds of every dollar that was made in profits, went to wage earners, and one third went to the investors and businesses and corporations. Forty years later, forty years after the beginning of the deregulation, privatisation, corporatisation, globalisation revolution that just swept the Western world, the figures have dramatically changed. We now find ourselves in a situation where two-thirds of every dollar which is created, profit, goes to investors, businesses and corporations, and one-third goes to wage earners. So we need to think of these figures when we look at the referendum in Britain about Britain removing itself from the European Union. Now, this isn't the end of the world. I mean, the end of the world was when uh, Iceland beat England 2-1. That's the end of the world. Not the fact that uh, the United Kingdom or the disunited kingdom is going to try to extricate itself from the European Union because 52% of its people wanted to extricate itself. And it's interesting because people think it's the end of globalisation and the end of corporatisation. It's not the end of globalisation and the end of corporatisation. 
It may be the end of the creation of the super state where national boundaries and sovereign states have been destroyed through economic initiatives, through economic, uh, you know, so you get you know you get a European block, a Amer- Amer- North and South American block, an Asian block, etc., etc. These huge trading uh, corporations. So what's happened? What the defeat of the referendum was actually a victory for those people who've been left behind by the corporatization, globalization, privatization, deregulation, revolution. This was their chance to say, no, enough is enough. Whether it changes life for them is a matter that we have to um, you know, wait and see. I don't think it will. But it was a cry to say that this can't go on. In 1970, as I said before, two-thirds of every dollar went to wage earners in the Western world. In 2015, it's one-third of every dollar goes to wage earners. So this this can't go on. And so there were many people in Britain who said this cannot go on. And despite the doom and gloom and the profits of, you know, that it's all going to fall apart, you know, um, it hasn't fallen apart. Because at the end of the day, we're talking about an economic system. We're not talking about resources, people, intellect, and the list goes on and on. So it's interesting. But it is not the end of globalisation or corporatisation. All it means is that the United Kingdom as a sovereign nation state will actually form its own three trade agreements with the European Union. Not as part of the European Union, but with the Europe- European Union and with Australia, as Australia does. It's a similar position that Australia finds itself in today. And it's, not, and it's interesting that people who are arguing that they leave the European Union. We're using Australia as an example of a sovereign nation state, which uh, you know was actually able to make its own free trade agreements and um, uh, arrangements regarding immigration, and the list goes on and on. So it's not the end of globalisation. It's not the end of corporatisation. It's not the end of the you know the world. It is a minor blip. But to me, the important thing is that what we saw was a version of direct democracy. What we saw was the people in a referendum said, no, we don't want this. End of story. We don't care what the consequences are. We don't understand what the consequences are, but we don't want this. So are there any lessons to be drawn? Well, there are lessons to be drawn because this election campaign has been, I'm not going to use the word boring, it's been interesting because it's been interesting because the single most important issue which has an impact on every person on this continent has not been a debating point for this election campaign. It has not been a debating point. And that issue is the influence the corporate world has not just on our economics but on this country's institutions 
and the parliamentary system, where the power of parliament has been usurped by transnational corporations whose major responsibility is to create ever-increasing profits for their major shareholders, irrespective of the national, human, social, environmental cost to this nation and to this community. It's interesting because, see, the debate, to a large degree, is actually directed, irrespective of what's on social media, to a large degree, the agenda is set by the legacy media, which is owned by private corporations. They set the day-to-day agenda. And you're not going to have the Murdoch Empire, News Limited and 21st Century Fox, discussing the fact that they are the biggest corporate bludgers on this continent. That Murdoch, through News Corporation, received an $886 million tax refund in 2013 while making tens of millions of dollars of profit. All legal, nothing illegal, you know. All these boys and girls do it legal, you know. We do it illegal. They do it legal because they don't need to break the laws because the laws aren't there. They are not there. They haven't been passed by Parliament. They are not there to ensure that they pull their fair share. You know, they pull their fair share. I mean, the 24-carat gold, we've got 24-carat gold leaners here, and they raise themselves up as the arbitrators, arbitrators of morality. Oh, it was fascinating, wasn't it, 24 hours ago, to see the the brain-dead Liberal National Party, you know, come up with their brilliant strategy to extract $2 billion from the co- from uh, the welfare sector, in inverted commas, Social Security, that they're going to target Social Security beneficiaries and they hope to raise $2 billion. Hypocrisy. We have corporate bludgers out there who legally pay no taxation. Chevron, a multi-billion dollar resource-rich corporation, $246 tax last year legally. Apple, Google, pay minimal taxation legally. McDonald's, Ikea, all these wonderful brand names. 7-Eleven, we see all their pictures all the time, their ads all the time. Social media, legacy media, television, goes on and on, radio. Pay TV, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're told what wonderful citizens they are. And then you get the Murdoch media and, to a lesser extent, Fairfax and the government guild at ABC crapping on about welfare fraud. Think about it. Think about it. Now, I'm running as an independent in the electorate of Dunkley. Now, Dunkley's a little area. It's about 105 square kilometres south of Melbourne, it includes the uh, suburbs of Mount Mornington. It, 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 uh, it's an interesting electorate. And the reason I'm running is I was invited by over 100 people in Dunkley to mount a radical campaign in Dunkley which highlighted the negative effects that the corporate sector is having on society as a whole, not just in Dunkley, on society as a whole, and to raise some ways of us resolving this issue, not through blood in the streets or revolution, but through the ballot box, raising 
some important issues which nobody else is willing to tackle. That's why I'm running. And it's a microcosm. This little electorate is a microcosm of Australian society. It's got a 1 150th, 0.75% of the Australian population in this little corner of Australia. And you've got some of the richest people in Australia living in this electorate and some of the poorest people in Australia living in this electorate. It's a microcosm. You've got the investment class. You've got people on Social Security benefits. You've got people who are, you know, high wage earners and low wage earners and the list goes on and on. And you've got the unemployed, the homeless. So it's a microcosm of Australian society. But even there, where we are raising this issue on a daily basis, not just me, but a whole team of people across the electorate, raising these issues, it's become, it's difficult to gain traction. Because, see, you see, most people don't seem to understand that almost 70%, 70 cents in every dollar of taxation revenue in this country continues to come from pay-as-you-earn taxpayers. And businesses, most taxation revenue that comes from businesses comes from small business. And that corporations illegally pay almost no tax. One third, one quarter of the one third of corporations paid no tax legally last year of the fifteen hundred biggest corporations. I mean, you'd think if they didn't pay tax, you know, if they weren't making a profit, they go bankrupt. But they don't go bankrupt. They get bigger and better every year. So that was the whole purpose. The whole purpose of that is the whole purpose of the campaign and we raised a number of issues we are raising a number of issues on how to resolve this problem because everything is interlinked it's quite interesting public meetings i've attended in this electorate has been really issue focused not focused on the big picture not joining the dots if your grandmother can't get a hip replacement for two or three years or if the public education your kid's getting isn't that hot and if your new start allowance doesn't even pay the rent or your son and daughter can't get an apprenticeship or even get their foot in the market and it's impossible for them to actually ever own a home in this country and if people are having increasing difficulties paying their debts or paying their utility bills gas, electricity, mobile phone the list goes on and on and if people are indebted up to their eyeballs in order to survive you know in some cases still paying 20% interest legally on credit cards legally 22, 25 you miss a credit card payment you know, penalty. Not on the net, $2 to receive a bill, you know, to receive the bill, you know. Incredible. So people aren't putting the dots together. And if we've got an inadequate social security system where it's almost impossible these days to obtain a disability support pension and you've got to jump through so many hoops that most people, a lot of people just can't do it. So people aren't joining the dots. Why in the so-called lucky country, and I'll say it again, 24 million people living on a resource-rich continent, why can't we look after even the basic needs of most of the population, if not all the population? It is a ever 
recurring debate. There's not enough detoxification centres. There's not enough mental health facilities. There's not enough rehabilitation facilities. And the list goes on and on. Why? Why, why, why? Well, some people think it's because that chap down the road, you know, came from overseas and the colour of his skin's a bit different and that woman down the road wears this funny thing over her head and her religion is a bit different. But who opened the door to 457 visas? Why were 457 visas, you know, brought in? They weren't brought in to fill skilled labour shortages. They were actually brought in to, one, bring down wages, two, save business, the bother of actually training local people, and three, destroy what's left of the trade union movement because you've got docile, non-unionised workers who are told that if you don't do what you, what we're told and that's what you get paid, well, your 457 visa will be revoked and you'll be back where you came from. And all that money you had to borrow to get here in the first place, you know, your family's going to find themselves in perpetual poverty. So there's all, there's all these issues. And you find that an era of increasing tension as the gap increases between those who have access to resources and those who don't, we tend to fracture as a society. And we may fracture on nationalist lines, we may fracture on religious lines, cultural lines, and the list goes on and on, racial lines. So what's the common? What is the common issue in this election? What is the common issue that nobody's willing to bring up? And that's the fact that that section of society, that small section of society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication, that continues to set the social, political and agenda every day, every day, despite, despite the so-called power of the social media, of social media, despite, continues not to be criticised, not even mentioned. Now, my campaign that I'm running in Dunkley is very simple. It's about making the wealthiest 1% pay 1%. And we can do this not through blood in the streets or bloody revolution, you know. You can do it simply by passing four pieces of legislation through federal parliament. And obviously... One, I'm not going to be elected. And two, this legislation is not going to be passed the next year or two. But, but, it is something that has been put on the public agenda in this country which nobody else is willing to raise. And these four pieces of legislation are very simple. One, a 1% stock market turnover tax. That would raise $30 billion per year. 1%. One cent in every miserable dollar spent on the stock market, 1%. And all those people are going, oh, 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 the end of the world as I know it, my superannuation funds are going to suffer. Look, mate, your superannuation funds are not going to cover you for the rest of your life. You will still need a decent public health system, a decent social security net. So it is an investment in your future, one miserable percent, raise $30 billion. 
The next simple tax is a little bit a 1% turnover tax. For every dollar a corporation or business that turns over more than $2 million per year turns over, 1% goes to the Treasury. Another $30 billion. I'm not talking about million, I'm talking about billion. And again, you know these large corporations now pay voluntary taxation? Ka-ching, 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 ka-ching. They're starting to contribute. I mean, they benefit from the security which exists in this country. The fact that it's a peaceful, relatively peaceful country. They benefit by, you know, from the so-called rule of law. They benefit from all the institutional structures that are there to protect their interests. So why shouldn't they contribute? So 1% turnover tax, another $30 billion, bang. And that's conservative. It could even be $40 billion. That's a turnover tax. How about a 1% financial transaction tax? Think about it. For all financial transactions over $50,000, and you could say you can only do one financial transaction for 50000 every, you know, two weeks, and or otherwise you pay the 1% financial transaction tax, and you can exclude the family home. So if you buy an investment property, 1%, bang, to the Treasury. You buy a holiday home, and you've got another home, 1%. You buy that Maserati, 1%. You buy that company, you spend a billion, $10 billion acquiring that company, 1%. Federal Treasury, another $40 billion. That's $100 billion already. And last but not least, how about ensuring that businesses and corporations with, say, turnovers of uh, more than $5 million can't claim the GST as a tax deduction. Excuse me? They claim the GST as a tax deduction? Of course they do. You pay the GST on your pension. You pay your GST. It's not a tax deduction. You're a business or a corporation. What you pay as GST is a tax deduction. It's a business tax, legal, legitimate business tax deduction. It'll raise another $50 billion, so $150 billion. So you increase budgetary expenditure from $450 billion, which it is today under our system, to $600 billion almost overnight. Bingo. And if they don't want to trade in this country and want to take their ball and bat home, goodbye to them. We don't need them. We don't need bludgers. We don't need corporate bludgers in Australia. We don't need people who are going to you know, suck us dry. So this is the campaign we've been conducting over well, it's been over twelve months now, and in in, in in around Australia. But you know, for this election, it's been in the electorate of Dunkley. There's a good team of people working around the clock, doing what they can. We owe nobody anything. The program, the campaign is self-funded. We owe the media nothing. Not a thing. Not interested in media coverage. It's about a campaign which is doing a lot of groundwork which will be very useful for public interest before corporate interests after the election in terms of getting new members and registering them as a political party. Not just a political party, but part of a social movement that has a political party which puts public interest before corporate interests. So if you'd like to help, 
this Saturday. We have pre-pollings covered, but if you would like to help this Saturday at a polling booth, and the suburbs are Mount Eliza, Mornington, a little bit of Mount Marfa, Garingal, North Frankston, South Frankston, Frankston, Seaford, and as I said, a little bit of Sky and a little bit of Baxter. Give us a ring. We do still need a few more people on booths. 90, 95% of booths are covered. We still need another three or four, well, we need another dozen people would be good. Give us a ring. You can have a great day. Meet people. Discuss the issues. You're not going to be handing out some pretty little piece of paper saying vote one Joseph Toscano. And let's not forget that I'm the actual only independent in the electorate of Dunkley. And there are very few independents. I know they speak about it in this in this election, especially in, the, in Victoria. Very few, because it's made almost impossible for independents to actually be able to, um, you know, nominate. But that's another story. So if you want to help, give us a ring. Oh four, three nine, three nine five, four eight nine. Oh four, three nine, three nine five, four eight nine. Give us a ring as soon as you can so we can actually allocate the literature to you. If you want to see what it's all about, go to the website, Toscano for Dunkley, T-O-S-C-A-N-O, number four, Dunkley, D-U-N-K-L-E-Y. Have a look at the leaflet you're going to give out. If you like it, you agree with it, good. This is more of a exercise in disseminating ideas than an exercise in being elected. Everybody else will be saying, Vote one for me, vote one for me, vote one for me, vote one for me. And on the 3rd of July, you won't see him for another three years. This is a different type of campaign. This is a campaign about raising ideas. This is a, a campaign about not only shaming the corporate bludgers, because they have no shame, but actually forcing them to actually cough up because if they want to exploit us in, in this community, it's time they coughed up and stop their moral garbage, you know. So Toscano for Dunkley, look at the website, send it, send it round, round the country. This is a template for future struggles because, you know, when you wake up on the 3rd of July, irrespective of who's been elected, irrespective, the social, political, structural issues will be exactly the same. Because this election is not about, has not been about tackling those fundamental issues of inequality which have become such an important issue in this country, which are fracturing us as a community. It hasn't been about that. And it should have been about that. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. So go Toscano for Dunkley or 0439 395 489. And those of you who have volunteered, we haven't got back to you in the last uh, 24 hours, don't despair. We will contact you in the next hour or two. 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. This is the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia by the Community Radio Network. As I keep saying to you, it doesn't matter how erudite I am or how stupid I am or how whatever I say, 
it doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. Things will only change when you begin to take action. I'll give you an example. Little group, public interest before corporate interest, you know, is attempting to be registered as a political party in the next, uh, you know, in the next few days, in the next few months, right? Right? Getting ideas across. Public interest before corporate is not just a political party, but part of a growing social movement. A social movement which has taken off in many parts of Western Europe, but which actually hasn't taken off in this country because we seem to be fracturing, as I said, on racial lines, nationalist lines, you know, uh, gender lines, uh, sexual orientation lines. I mean, that seems to be the, the, big, the, big, the big issues, right? Well, the big issue isn't that. The big issue is us as a society. I'll give you an example. Now, on Friday the 1st of July, and they've been doing this for months. And before them, Resist Murdoch's Minions legislative onslaught would be doing it for over two and a half years. Small groups of people gather in Federation Square in Melbourne and then move on to a corporate headquarters somewhere in the Melbourne CBD. This Friday at 11.30, we'll be meeting in Federation Square. At 12 o'clock, we'll be walking to Murdoch's flagship in Australia, the Herald and Weekly Times, and making our concerns known. Not about their biased, crappy coverage. I don't give a shit about their biased, crappy coverage. It's a private organisation. You know, they will do everything they can to destabilise anybody with a reformist fought in their mind. And that's their role. That's their pathetic role. But what I find amazingly offensive is the fact that they act as you know, the moral guardians of this society. They point the fingers at the so-called bludgers. Well, well, when they are, on every available indicator, social, economic, environmental, they are the biggest bludgers in this country. As I keep saying, 2013, $886 million tax refund. Where was the outrage? It wasn't there. When the previous treasurer, some, you know, loser who I can't even remember his name, is some ambassador in the United States, was asked to comment, he said, no comment. And now, on the eve of the election, we have these same apologists for these bludgers saying that the big issue, they're going to make savings by tackling welfare, social security welfare. They may be able to eke out $2 billion. The big issue is corporate welfare, corporate bludges and the fact that they determine the parliamentary agenda that nobody is willing to stand up against them. So if you're one of these people that wants to stand up against them, well, join public interest before corporate interest. Go to the website, pipsy.net. Go to their Facebook page. Have a look at what they're saying. Help us on the election day on the 2nd of July down in Dunkley. You'll have a good day. They tell me the sun will be out. All right. And for the rest of you, well, you've got a decision to make. you got decisions to make. It'll be interesting to see what decisions you'll make because our experience at the polling booth is, you know, there's all this garbage about independents, you know, going to have huge votes and the micro parties are going to do well. Well, our experience is that when push comes to shove, 
Australians are basically a people of habit and the great majority, over 80%, will be voting for one of the two major parties. But hopefully, hopefully, we've got it 100% wrong and we'll have some interesting times in this country after the uh, 2nd of July. But again, as I keep saying, we are the people we've been waiting for. We're not waiting for the corporate-owned media or the government guild at ABC to sell our message. We're not waiting for the judiciary to assist us. We're not waiting for the major political parties, you know, to you know, do something about the corporate bludgers. We'll do it ourselves because when we do it, it will happen. Not because there's one of us or two of us or 20 of us or 100 of us, but because we're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. And the central issue today is not us fracturing as a society because of issues, because of religion or race or culture or language or sexual orientation or gender. Because although we've all got issues, the ultimate problem is the fact that power in this country is not wielded by parliament, it's wielded by unaccountable corporations whose major responsibility is to increase profits for their major shareholders. They don't care about national well-being. Look at in 2006 when they had this so-called global financial crisis, or was it 2008? They were quite happy to receive all this public largesse to help them out of the hole that they had created. But when it came to paying back the community, what have they done? Continue to rip people off on a daily basis. Listen to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia on the Community Radio Network. That number, once again, 0439 395 489. 0439 395 489. Leave a message, uh, email us, we'll get back to you. Let's keep going. And don't forget that if you are in Melbourne, 11.30 on Friday, that's Friday the 1st of July, Federation Square, and then marching to the Herald and Weekly Times at 40 City Road in Melbourne. Not because we give a shit about their coverage. You know, they're noted for producing garbage. What we care about is these bludgers, these bludgers act as the moral guardians of our society while being the biggest hypocrites on the planet. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. As I said before, we can, you know, we can talk about anything. I have been interested in um, issues, issue-orientated politics, because it seems to have um, played a significant role in Australian society. You know, I mean, we've all got issues. We've all got issues. But is, are the issues... These little issues, our central concerns, or our central concerns much bigger. And that's the interesting thing when you actually interact with people and you're involved in a political campaign, or an electoral campaign, I should say, is that you begin to realise that most people, and it's no fault of their own because they're fed garbage 24 hours a day, seven days a week, really have a great deal of difficulty in understanding why they find themselves in the situation they find themselves in. A great deal of difficulty. I mean, during the great privatisation revolution, 
we have seen not just the privatisation of assets but services. Things like welfare services are now the private property mainly of religious-based organisations and you know other service groups. And there's no state intervention. They provide the money. They provide the service. And the list goes on and on. Look at the destruction of the TAFE's service and the hundreds of millions of dollars which have been rorted, stolen by private organisations which you know, been doing Mickey Mouse courses, which really mean nothing at the end of the day, to tens of thousands of people. Look at the way that training for young people has become a mechanism by which to generate profits for private corporations who are using taxpayer dollars to feather their nests. And it's been happening for years And those people who jump up and down about immigration, look at the 457 visa program and how it's been used to augment the profits of businesses, both small and large, and major corporations. Because the 457 visa program is a cheap way of getting labour into this country. Not only labour that needs to be trained, for example, the almost the death of the apprenticeship scheme in this country, but the fact that you can bring in cheap labour that can be easily manipulated and pushed around. And every day we hear another story about people, how people on 457 visas have been exploited by employers. And the whole purpose of the introduction of 457 visas had nothing to do with filling skilled gaps in the economy. It was about getting cheap labour. Initially, cheap labour with expertise had been trained overseas. It was brought into this country. So you didn't have to actually waste your time and money training local people. And then as a cheap source of labour, where there have been factories and manufacturing industries in this country that over a, overnight have got rid of all their local staff and brought in a 457 visa, because 457 visa staff are very good, and I'll tell you why. You pay them the minimum rate, legally. You expect them to come to work an hour before an hour after. They're a docile labour force, because if they step out of line, you can send them back you know, to where they came from. And most of the people who come here on 457 visas has taken out loans. So you don't need people smugglers, you know, to uh, actually put people on boats and send them to Australia. Well, the boats have dried up and everybody's jumped up and down and said, isn't this wonderful? We've got so many rorts in the immigration system, the 457 visa system, that people smugglers are now lining up to, you know, put a bit of money in the palms of bureaucrats in order to facilitate the entry of people in this country. You don't need a leaky boat. You just need to rort the immigration system and the 457 visa system. And is it the fault of the people 
who come here, of course it's not their fault. They come here to, you know, improve their lives. The fault lies with the very institutions and the parliament and the parliamentarians who've passed the legislation which which have allowed these rorts to develop and develop and develop and develop and develop. That's the issue. And the bottom line is maximising profits for corporations. They don't care what colour you are. They don't care about your sexual orientation. They don't care about your religious affiliations. They don't care about your gender. Oh, sometimes they do because they pay you less. It's all about how much profit they make from exploiting your labour and their labour. That's what it's about. That's what this deregulation, globalisation, privatisation, you know, um, corporatisation revolution has been all about. It's about destroying the ability of working people to collectively bargain to improve their situation. We currently have the lowest wage growth on record. As I said before, we now have a situation where one-third of every dollar goes to wage earners and two-thirds goes to investors and corporations. Forty years ago, it was the exact opposite. We now have a situation where unions have been criminalised to such an extent that if you're a trade unionist, you know, because of all the media garbage about, you know, the evil trade unions and evil trade unions, obviously there are rotten apples in a trade union barrels, there are rotten apples in every human barrel. But we've now criminalised workplace activity in this country. Do you know you can be jailed up for 20 years? for being involved in an occupation at your workplace. You may not know that, but that's the law. Do you know that if you go on a wildcat or illegal strike, because, you know, it's illegal to withdraw your labour outside an enterprise bargaining agreement period in this country after you jump through all these hoops, that the beauty about the legislation is they don't want you in jail, they don't want martyrs, that they can take your house away from you by fining you $10,000 every day. The legislation is there and it is used. Do you know that if you're a trade unionist that you don't have the same rights as a, uh, let's say, let's say as a drug runner? Legal rights? And the list goes on and on. Just an extraordinary state of affairs. And we, you know, we carry on about, you know, um, the loss of freedoms in other countries. How about the loss of freedoms in this country? Just extraordinary. Extraordinary. And we've allowed it to happen. We've allowed it to happen because we've sucked up the propaganda and it'll be interesting to see what happens on the 2nd of July. How much of the propaganda has been sucked up? How many people join the dots? How many people join the dots? Most people don't join the dots. They actually attack the people on the front line. If you can't get treatment and an accident emergency department, who do you tackle? You attack the people on the front line who are trying to provide a service you know, with not enough resources and not enough staff. That's who you attack. And if you can't get your hip replacement for your granny, who do you attack? Well, you attack the public hospital. And you carry on and carry on and carry on. And if your kids don't get a decent education, who do you blame? You blame the stressed-out teachers in that facility. It's their fault, isn't it? And that's it. And if you can't get through to Centrelink and you're on the phone for an hour or you, you know, you've got to do it online and you don't know anything about 
you know, computers, you blame them. You blame them, the people on the front line. Let's not forget. Let's join the dots. And that's what this election is about, joining the dots. While the corporate sector pays voluntary taxation, there will never be enough resources to deal with homelessness. Not enough resources for public housing, ever. While the corporate sector continues to thumb their nose at the rest of society, at pay-as-you-earn wage earners and people in the 33% of people on Social Security, the 80% of Australians, the 85% of Australians who are not part of the corporate class or the investment class, thumb their noses at us, put their fingers up, you know, thumb their nose, you will continue to have the issue of an underfunded public health sector. You will continue to have the issue of you leave the financial sector totally to the private sector. You will continue to have the issue of people being ripped off, ripped off by private financial organisations and banking organisations, you know, to augment their uh, shareholders' bottom line. So isn't it time we spoke about things like a mixed economy, creating public assets, creating public services, like the introduction of a new people's bank, which is owned by the government, which can act as competition against the private sector? Isn't it time we actually looked at the question of public housing? Because housing prices are so ridiculous in this country, so ridiculous that most people can't enter the market because it's been the market's been usurped by investors both locally and overseas. It's just extraordinary. We now are seeing the product of 40 years of allowing corporations to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and dominate every asset aspect of our existence. We are seeing the effects of globalisation this country, and we're not part of the European Union, we're just a little sovereign state, but we are big on the globalisation track, you know, forming free trade agreements here and there, free trade agreements which allow private corporations to sue a sovereign nation state if that country's representatives pass legislation to improve the lot of their people and it has a negative impact on that corporation's bottom line. Come on. We talk about sovereign borders, you know, protect the borders, but we allow the corporate raiders, the robber barons, the corporate robber barons to do whatever they like. So you think about these things on the 2nd of July if you're voting. And if you're not voting, think about what you're going to do on the 3rd of July. And if you're voting, also think about what you're going to do on the 3rd of July because it's all very well to say... I don't vote, I'm pure. I vote informal, I'm pure. And then you wait till the next election and do the same thing. The key is you want change, you want reform, you want radical change. We need to do that through struggle, through direct action, as well as parliamentary politics. Think about it. You've been listening to The Anarchist World this week, which is broadcast via Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. If you want to assist us on the campaign on the uh, 2nd of July in the electorate of Dunkley, give us a ring, 
0439 Look at the webpage, the Twitter stream, you know, the Facebook page, Toscano for Dunkley. Get involved, even at this late stage, it all helps. T-O-S-C-A-N-A, number four, Dunkley, D-U-N-K-L-E-Y. And don't forget, when you wake up on the 3rd of July, we will still be faced with the same problems which have been caused by globalisation, privatisation, deregulation, corporatisation. Same issues will be there, irrespective of who finds themselves in Parliament. And don't forget, it's up to you to ensure the biggest corporate bludgers and hypocrites in this community are exposed for what they are. They are not our moral guardians. They are the people who have placed us and our children and their children in the situation we find ourselves in, in the so-called land of plenty. Now, just in, finally, I'd just like to thank all those people who donated to the uh, 3CR Radiophon. Yes, because the radio station I broadcast is an independent radical radio station and we rely on uh, public pledges to uh, assist us to broadcast 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, 366 in a leap year. They've donated over uh, $11,000 for to the anarchist world this week. We've got about 1200 unpaid. If you haven't paid your pledge... Play it, pay it as soon as possible and thank you very much to all these, all of those of you who made a pledge and I'll be in contact with you in the next two to three weeks once this election campaign has been better down. Thank you for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Listen in next week to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Interesting website, anarchistmedia.org, pipsi, P-I-B-C-I dot net, Toscano for Dunkley and the list goes on and on. That phone number, 0439 395 489. And yes, we do love phone, we do love letters. You can write to us at Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. And remember, you can do what I can do. You can do the same. It just takes a little bit of courage, a little bit of initiative, a little bit of luck, and you can be a fawn in the side of our corporate masters. Thank you once again for listening to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network on your local community radio station. This program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au, 3cr.org.au. Listen in next week on your local community radio station to The Anarchist World this week via the Community Radio Network. Irrespective of where you're listening in Australia, remember, it's not what happens on the 2nd of July that matters. What really matters is what you're going to do on the 3rd of July, on that Sunday when you wake up bleary-eyed and you think, do I hibernate for three years or do I get involved in action in my community and in the country as a whole? Listening to The Anarchist World this week, next week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events.
wash my hands. Oh, Lord, yeah. <laughs>